Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Again, we want to say welcome. We are again so glad you are here, and we are concluding our series called You Talking to Me Today. And if you've missed any part, I hope that you'll go back and you'll listen to uh, any of those that maybe you've, you've not heard the last three weeks. Uh, this is our fourth week, and we've been talking about strange incidences in the Bible where strange things taught uh, or gave information or instruction or something uh, to God's people in some strange way. And so uh, we'll get into our part here in just a moment. But I wanted to ask you a question before we kind of dive in, and that is this, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone. Have you ever um, had a conversation with yourself or maybe with someone else in saying this? If I had to do it over again, I would do blank. Have, have you ever had that conversation with yourself? Yes, I see a lot of heads nodding. I'm assuming that you're, you're uh, relating to me as we talk about this. Maybe you find yourself wishing uh, things were done a little bit differently, uh, like the widow who was in the uh, funeral home, and her husband had just passed away, and they were in the family room, and the, prayer, the pastor had just had the prayer with the family, and the pallbearers were getting ready to take him into the, the funeral chapel for the service, for the memorial service. And as the, the pallbearers um, walked through the door with the body and the casket, they bumped the door jam. And miraculously, the man came back to life. Well, a few years later, he gets sick again, and he passes away. And they find themselves in the same room. And as uh, the pastor's having the prayer and the pallbearers are getting ready to, again, take the body, the widow stops them in their tracks and says, listen. Don't hit that door again. <laughs> she was having some regrets, I think, uh, of what had happened previously. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate to wishing things were done a little bit differently and wishing you had a do-over here and there. Well, I think today I have a question for us. I think if we could pause and ask this question before major or even minor decisions in our life, major or even minor conversations in our life. I think if we would pause and ask this question, that 99% of the time, it would put us on the right path. Would you want to know that question? The question that I think if we pause and would ask is this, and I think it's worth writing down. What is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Now, a very wise leader by the name of Andy Stanley has written an entire book around this question called Ask It. But I think if we would pause before we have that heated conversation, if we would pause before we make decisions about our finances, about school, about our career choice and our career path, or about family, about anything, if we would ask what is the wise thing to do, I think it would serve us well. And so today's account is going to help us in a great way. 
Today's account from Scripture is going to help us ask this question well, and I think answer this question well. Daniel is where we're going to draw our, our wisdom, if you will, from today. Daniel chapter 5. Daniel is um, in the Old Testament. Of course, the, the Bible has the Old Testament, the New Testament. He's in the Old Testament almost near the end. Daniel lived 2,500 years ago. And at the age of about 15, he was taken as a prisoner of war to Babylon to live there. And the thing about Daniel was that even though he was in a place that was not his own country, he was taken away from his family, he did and passed every test well. Whatever was thrown at Daniel, he did it well. And so even to the point that he would have and uh, a position in the empire that was like the second or third in command. Amazing. Not even his own country. And this is what he does. And this is what the king of that time had to say about Daniel. And Daniel, I'm going to skip about halfway through this chapter right here just to give you an overview of what people of that day thought of Daniel. And this is what the king says, Daniel, I've heard that the spirit of the gods... Now let me just stop right there and say, this particular king serve pagan gods, not the most high God, not the God that Daniel served, not the God that we serve. And so that's why he puts it in this context. But he knew something was special about Daniel. And he goes on to say that you have insight, intelligence, and what are the last two words? Amazing. Wouldn't you like to have outstanding wisdom for every area of your life to make great choices? So I want you to circle outstanding wisdom because that is our goal. Daniel's kind of like the goal that we want to have as far as wisdom goes because we all know wisdom helps us make better decisions in our present and for our future. So how do we get it? That's the question, right? That's another question that we have to ask. And God gives us an idea and maybe the solution in James 1 and 5 and he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should, what? Ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God is saying all we have to do, if we need wisdom, is ask. But I don't want to sugarcoat this too much. Because I think if you've been around and lived long enough, you understand that a lot of wisdom that we get in our life comes from the school of hard knocks. Would you agree with that? I mean, some of us in here, don't look at anybody, but some of us in here have to learn the hard way, right? We say that about our children. Uh, we say that about our friends, about people that we're trying to help. They have to learn it the hard way. And unfortunately, that is how wisdom comes sometimes. So we've learned that we can ask and we can learn from the school of hard knocks. But what I want to help us to do today is try to keep us out of that school. Okay? To try to keep us from having so much trial and error in our life. So let's look at some ways and how we can be wise. How is it that we can ask that question, what's the wise thing to do with some tools in our, tube, in our tool belt? So here we go. Number one, listen to those who came before you and to those currently around you. If we're going to ask many times, what's the wise thing to do? Sometimes it means listening. So let's look at Daniel. We're going to go all the way back to the top, 
of Daniel chapter 5 and verse number 1 and start at the beginning and see why Daniel or, or the king said this about uh, Daniel, why he had outstanding wisdom. Daniel chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 says this. King Belshazzar, who was the king talking about Daniel, gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, so remember that name as well, had taken, in other words, stolen, from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. Okay, so let me give you a little backstory, okay? Because it's all going to make sense in, in a minute. King Nebuchadnezzar was King Belshazzar's grandfather. Okay, and so Nebuchadnezzar was probably the most widely known, most famous king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar literally lost his mind, like went insane for like seven years because he didn't follow God. He worshipped pagan uh, idols and he was full of pride. Then he gets it together. He begins to say, God, that, the God that Daniel serves is the, is the true God. He begins serving him, gets his faculties back, gets, comes to his senses, and begins serving God. He gets it together. King Belshazzar has seen all this played out. And here King Belshazzar is, his grandson, a terrible leader. In fact, he's a royal, rotten, spoiled brat. That's what King Belshazzar is. All he likes to do is party. All he likes to do is have his friends over and let's just drink wine and let's just do things that we shouldn't do. And little does he know, or maybe he does even know, that his, his uh, enemies, the Medes and the Persians, are plotting against him. He doesn't care. What does any party boy do when someone's about to attack you? Have a party. And so that's what he does with a thousand of his closest friends. Okay? They're in the palace. They're having a party. Now understand, this is a pretty safe city. I mean, the walls are 50 to 80 uh, feet in depth. But it doesn't matter. They are still plotting against him. And he, again, throws a party. He looks over to his friends and he says, Hey, my grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, went and stole all the temple utensils, the goblets, the gold, and all that kind of stuff when we took over Israel years ago. Let's go get that and let's use that for a party. Terrible idea. The reason that was a bad idea is because they were taking things that were meant to honor God and using them to dishonor God. That's what we call sacrilegious. So it was a really, really bad idea. And the whole reason I bring all this up, the whole reason I paint this picture, is because Belshazzar saw all this played out before in his past, in his history, and didn't listen. He saw his grandfather go through all these things. He didn't listen. He had advisors, I'm sure, around him trying to help him do the right thing. He didn't listen. And God actually has a lot to say about wisdom in his word. In fact, Proverbs 19 and 20 says this, listen, will you circle listen? Listen to advice and accept discipline and you'll be wise for how long? The rest of your life. I would like to be wise the rest of my life. If I'll just listen, if I'll just pay attention. Now, who are we to listen to? Well, I think, obviously, you have friends and family in your life, but I think there's two groups of people 
that you need to listen to. And I think this is worth writing down too. Models and mentors. Now when I say models, I'm not talking about the super runway kind, okay? Some of you young guys think, hey, models, yay, you woke up just now. Models is what you need in your life because these are people that have done what you want to do and have done it well. I would even go as far to say you might want dead models in your life. Now you say, what are you talking about? Well, I'm saying if you have a business, look at people who have over the course of their life come and went and they did it well. Read about them. I think about spiritual models. Billy Graham was an amazing spiritual model, right? Just passed away this year. And unfortunately, I've probably learned more about him since he passed than when he was alive. And I've read and watched documentaries, watched his funeral services and what people said about him. We need models in our life. And don't forget the Bible. The Bible is not full of fairy tales. The Bible is full of people who did it well and people who didn't do it so well. Let's learn and read from them. The second type of people that you need in your life is mentors. And you don't just need one. I think when we grow up, as we're growing up, people say you need a mentor, you need a mentor, that's true. But you need multiple mentors. Because one person cannot teach you everything there is to know. You need a mentor if you're into sports. You need a mentor if you're maybe a mentor couple if if you're married. And one of the things, just by the way, that we've done this summer is our marriage ministry director, Courtney Gatiss, put together a a Facebook page. It's called Married People SEC. And if you're married, you can just go and find that if you're on social media and join that. We're doing some really fun, like, competitions uh, where you can uh, win some prizes throughout the summer if you post some pictures of you and your spouse on a date. So it's really, really cool. So I'd encourage you to go do that. But really, it's not about just winning prizes. It's about connecting with people. It's about finding people in your life, in this church, that you can connect with to help you along the way. If you're a parent, you need a mentor, somebody that's a little further ahead. Whatever it is, a career path mentor, whatever it is, you need that in your life. And let me just say, okay, commercial for SEC, we are a great place to find mentors. As, as little as our kids are, we try to give them the same people in their lives every Sunday so that they can develop relationships with people. And let me just say, next Sunday in every service, if you have a child or a student that's going back to school, we're going to have prayer for each of those in every single service, and we're even going to give them a T-shirt to commemorate that day. So I hope you'll be there. God has a lot to say about wisdom. One of the things he says is in Ecclesiastes 10 and 10, and it says this, If an axe is dull and its edge is sharpened, more strength is needed, but what's that word? Will bring what? This is an interesting verse, okay? If you've ever chopped down a tree, which I have not, okay? So some of you have probably done that before, chopped wood with an axe or whatever, and wow, my hat is off to you. Because you know that if you're going to chop down a tree with an axe, you need a sharp axe. It needs to be sharpened. You are going to use more energy and more physical strength to try and chop down a tree with a dull axe. But if you will take time, and it seems like you're wasting time, but you're not, but if you will take time to stop and sharpen, the Bible says you're going to have more success. I want to say to you today, you are sitting here in church sharpening your axe. 
You are sharpening your spiritual skills in order that you can go out into the world and be more effective. Way to go. The Bible here doesn't say in this particular verse that desire or even prayer will bring success. What does it say will bring success? What does it say? Skill. Skill will bring success. So what is the wise thing to do? It's to keep learning. It's to keep learning from those around you and those that we can learn that have gone on before us. Number two, if we're going to ask the question, what's the wise thing to do? Number two, I think we have to maintain a humble attitude when God speaks. This is the whole premise of this series that we're doing. We want God to talk to us. So we have to keep a humble attitude so that we can hear him. Because get this, pride is like putting on earphones so you can't hear. You will not hear God's voice through a lens or through muffled pride in your, in your spiritual hearing. Okay? We have to make sure we're maintaining a humble attitude. Let's dive back into our account here in Daniel, the fifth chapter. Let's start around verse 4 and see what's going on again with King Belshazzar. While they drank, it says, from them, the utensils that they stole, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, okay, this is where you talking to me comes in. They saw the fingers of a human handwriting on the plaster of the king's palace near the lampstand. This was a hand without a body, y'all. I don't know if you remember the Adams family. Remember that? Some of us remember that. The hand, like, like in the box, and they like, close. It's weird. I don't think it was like thing. It wasn't like thing. I don't know. But i tell you what it wasn't. It was the foam finger from the Brave Stadium. It wasn't that. Okay? This was a hand without a body. And so everybody is scared. I guess so. Everybody in the room is getting scared. And so, have you ever heard the expression, the handwriting on the wall? You know, I saw the handwriting on the wall. Well, 2,500 years ago, that's where this comes from. It means that a warning, bad news is coming. It goes on to say, the king himself saw the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear. And his legs gave way beneath him. Now, some translations say that his legs giving way beneath him meant that he went diarrhea on himself. Okay? He had the brown pants on. Okay? Just saying. He's scared. I guess so. A thousand of his friends are in the room. And they see this and they don't know what it means. None of them does. They can't read it. They can't translate it. They don't know what it means. And so the queen says, hey, why don't we get Daniel to come in? He might can tell us. Remember that outstanding wisdom he has? So they come in. Bring Daniel in, and sure enough, he can read what's on the wall. And not only that, he can translate it, and it says this in verse 25. This is the message of the handwriting on the wall. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Now, if you're like me, you're like, I don't know what that means either. And they didn't know because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. They spoke in this language. But these words, interestingly enough, were Aramaic. Guess who spoke Aramaic? Jesus in the, in the New Testament. 
And so that's why they couldn't read these. But Daniel came in. Not only could he read it, he could interpret it. He could translate it. And this is what he said. He said, Mene means that, you know what? Your days are numbered, King Belshazzar. You're in trouble. You're going to die soon. Now, can you imagine? Put yourself in his place getting this news. Tekel means you've been weighed in the balance. Like God's got a big scale and you've been weighed and you've not measured up. You've been found wanting. And then parson means divided. Your kingdom is going to be divided between the Medes and the Persians. Tonight, King Belshazzar. Now, I don't know about you, just let that sink in. Sometimes we've said and been guilty in our life. I have of saying, I wish God would just write it in the sky for me. I wish he would just write it on the wall, not thinking that, you know, he's given us his word that we can refer to every day, but we wish it would just be plain. And and that's what God did for King Belshazzar. But do you know what he did? He gave Daniel a robe and gave him a promotion. He said, thank you. And he went on about his party. Are you kidding me? You've just heard you're going to die. Your reign is over. You're going to get invaded and everything's going to be divided. It's over and you go about your party. And that's what he did. So they were invaded. The Medes, the Persians, they came in. They didn't have to tear down the walls. Remember that I told you were 50 to 80 feet thick. Nope, they just diverted the river that ran underneath the Euphrates River. And they they diverted it so low that they could just crawl under the walls. They came in and King Darius became king that night. Can I tell you that we need some Daniels? We have a lot of crisis going on in our world and we need men and women that may not can read Aramaic but that would step up and, and speak words of wisdom and would speak words of direction because God is speaking through you. That as you are reaching back to mentor others, that you could speak those words of wisdom and God would give you ears to hear. We need men and women that are courageous, that would do what's right in the face of evil and wouldn't turn around and run. The thing is, we have to leave enough room in our diet for God's word, our spiritual diet, if you will. Because I know if... If you're like me, a lot of times on your day off or when you have downtime, you just want to watch six hours of Netflix, right? I get it. Sometimes we just want to spend a couple of hours that gets away from us on, on social media. We've spent time uh, returning emails, and by the end of the day, we're spent. And we don't feel like taking in God's Word. But can I challenge you that maybe the way that you could begin to help yourself feel like reading God's Word is not to fill up so much on the junk food. Like, we don't want our kids to eat junk food before dinner, right? Because we want them to to eat the good stuff. And God is saying, make room for my Word. Make room. Take the Netflix down a hair, okay? Just maybe three hours, okay? Make room for God's Word. Our series memory verse helps us to to have more room in our diet for truth than Twinkies, okay? And it says this, 
in Proverbs 3 and 6, and, and we've, we've talked about this verse every week, and I want you guys today to say it with me. Would you, on the count of three? One, two, three. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, He's the one who will keep you on track. I hope that you will put that into your heart and understand again that God opposes the proud. Remember, I said uh, pride is an opposition to God. You're not even on God's team if you're full of pride. And so what does it take? It takes a humble attitude. I pray that you would turn with me over on the back of your connection card and you would just check that box that says, I will do my best to listen for God's voice in everything I do. Will you do your best? I'm going to do my best to listen for God's voice in everything I do. He's the one that will keep us on track. Okay, the third thing I think that we need to do if we're going to ask the question, what's the wise thing to do? We're going to hit the pause button before we make decisions. Number three, put into practice what I have already learned. Put into practice what I have already learned. See, what I'm learning is that God doesn't give us the second thing until we've learned the first thing. He's saying, you know, you're still not, you've still not got this lesson. So we're not going to go here until we get this because this is a building block. And you have to get this before you can go here. And then to not level three, we have to get level two and then level four and then level five. All these things, we have to learn the first thing before he will teach us the next thing. We have to put into practice and act on the stuff that we already know. I haven't learned it until I do it. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, you haven't learned it until you do it? Will you tell them? Now tell your other neighbor, you haven't learned it until you do it. Now point to yourself and let's say this together. Ready? I haven't learned it until I do it. It's so simple, but it's so important. It's so true. You don't believe it until you act on it. I could ask probably 98% of you in this room and say, do you believe God's word? And you would say, absolutely, unequivocally, yes. But if I said, do you pray for your enemies? Oh, well, you, you didn't ask me that. I don't know. Why you ask me that? Because we don't believe it until we do it. We don't believe it until we do it. We don't believe it until we do it. We have to learn to act on what it is that we already know. And Belshazzar is here. And he's losing everything. And again, he saw his grandfather lose his mind. He saw him come back and make good decisions. And God may say, you know, I could understand if you didn't know, but you knew and you did it anyway. You knew and you didn't learn. You're determined because you know best. And he's saying you're not listening and learning. And we know this because Daniel, in verse 22, Daniel is the only person with the courage to tell us to the king. And he says, you are his successor, O Belshazzar. You are the successor of Nebuchadnezzar. And you knew all this, and yet you've not 
humbled yourself. You knew all this and you didn't learn. There is a difference between learning and putting into practice what we need to do. There's a difference between knowing, learning, and doing. There is a difference. And some people are going to miss heaven because they've learned it here, but not here. They've learned it in their head, but they've not act on it, acted on it in their heart. In fact, 1 Timothy 6 and 21 says, some people have missed the most important thing in their life. They don't know God. Do you? Do you? Do you know God? Do you know about Him or do you know Him? See, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of our life, there's going to be one question on the test. Just one. And the good news is it's an open book test. It's an open book test. You've got God's Word. You've got His church to help point you in the way. The question God is going to ask you is, what did you do with my son? What did you do with my son? You knew about him, but did you know him? Did you follow him? He's not going to ask us to show us our report card. He's not going to ask us to show him our bank account. What did you do with my son Jesus? Did you know him? Yes or no? That's it. So if you've not made that decision today, inside your program, there's a prayer. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. It's at the very bottom. All you have to do is read it. All you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart. If you mean this prayer with all your heart, he'll come in. If you will turn from your ways and follow him, you will be forgiven of your sin. And that makes you a Christ follower. We just ask that you would let us know about the decision that you're making on the back of your connection card. That you would just check the box that's saying, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower today so that we can pray for you and we can send you some information in the mail. That's all. To help you in your journey. As we're asking what the wise thing is to do, I just want you to remember one thing. I don't want you to ever forget that God is working. My son Drew just turned five years old and he's so proud of being five. And I can't stand it because he's starting kindergarten and I hate that, you know? But he's growing up and he's doing so well. And, but back in May, he got a splinter in the palm of his hand right here. And we were, we, he was very brave. He, he, he was trying to let Danny get it out and um, he was as brave as, as long as he could, you know? And it was still in there, so... We did what any good parent would do, right? We put Neosporin on it and prayed that it come out on its own. And so, sure enough, on Mother's Day, uh, we were walking around at the end of services and we were kind of closing down church for the day. And Drew was walking along with me and he said, with excitement, looked up and said, Mama, my splinter is gone. Jesus got it out while I was sleeping. I know, right? But that taught me something, that when I've exhausted all resources, when I've asked for wisdom, when I've asked what the wise thing to do and I'm still not sure, but I know I've got to make a move, when I don't know what to do, I want you to know that God is still working. And just like that splinter, even when you're sleeping, He's going to work it out. What's the wise thing to do? 
ask for wisdom, and trust God. Would you stand? Let's pray. God, I'm so honored to stand before such amazing people. This church is probably what I think about 75% of my time. These people, I love them. And they are such an encouragement to me. And God, we get in situations at times where we need to pause and we need to ask what the wise thing to do is. And you said if we asked, you would give it to us generously wisdom from heaven. And so God, I know that there are people here that need a decision to be made in their life. And and God, they don't know what to do. Would you speak to them? Would you speak to their hearts right where they are? What is the wise thing to do? Help them, Lord. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.